Hello, welcome to Native Calgarian. Today is March 24th, 2019. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status, and non-status as cross-Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Oki, I'm Mekochi's Chase Tukumaki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My spirit name, Red Thunder Woman, was given to me in ceremony. My humblest apologies to any Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. I honor the Blackfoot. I'm Michelle Robinson, and I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, another English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage in that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great, Lake, Great Bear Lake people, in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area called Clinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are a critical to creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the guests or as honoring the host as a guest. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I know as I walk down my journey of the Red Road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talked about today and want to talk, Call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free and open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Non-Indigenous, there are distress centre lines in your area too. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for already showing your support to the show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. I'm also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. So I'm running, and it's a really interesting experience running, let me tell you. Um, you know, I was green greenlit, which means that I'm a go with the Alberta Liberal Party, and that's super exciting for me because... You know, I actually witnessed some amazing candidates not get greenlit through different parties, and one was an amazing Indigenous woman. So, you know, I was really nervous about that. Um, but they've given me the go-ahead and uh, given me my graphics, so my signs are uh, just being printed. Um, I made some lit to hand out today while I wait for my actual graphics from the party. You know, they were so quick with uh, me placing an ad, so I'm not too, uh, I don't know, upset or anything about how long it takes because I've actually found them to be incredibly supportive as I go here. Um, I'm also on the Alberta Liberal Web Party website. So if you have a look, you'll see a little bit of my bio, and it's uh, Michelle Robinson, Calgary East, Alberta Liberal. Michelle is a 
is proud to call Calgary East home. She's a second-generation Albertan in the energy, energy industry, drafting wells and pipelines, and owned a geomatic supply company. She knows the issues facing the people of Calgary East, including the need for jobs, improvement to school infrastructure, playground upgrades, smaller classroom sizes, and mental health supports. Michelle is the Indigenous Liaison for 12 Community Safety Initiative, a co-chair of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls and Two-Spirit Calgary Committee, a co-founder of Voices, a group group advocating for the Two-Spirit and queer people of colour in Calgary, and is the National Vice Chair of Membership and Organization of the Indigenous Peoples Commission. Michelle was the first First Nation to run for City Council of Calgary and a proud mom. Well, actually, that's on my lit, and I added the proud mom part. I should get that added on the website, shouldn't I? So, yeah, I'm quite excited. Um, you know, our our uh, lit is this, like, poppy bl- uh, poppy red with this lime green. So it's, uh, I don't know, it, it's a little different than I would have ever thought, but they're so pretty. So I'm pretty happy with that. I hope that other people notice it. But I can tell you at the doors, <laughs> you know... Let's just say not a lot of people like Alberta liberals. Um, Well, you know, and I found this when I ran for municipal politics as well. A lot of folks don't know the difference between municipal, provincial and federal under the best of circumstances. So, you know, no matter when I door knock, whether it's for the federal liberals, um, now me running as a provincial liberal or when I ran for municipal, I just find that, you know, the people at the door, if they want to engage at all, um, a lot of them, you know, will bring up different, different issues for different uh, levels of government anyway. So, yeah, it's been quite interesting. Um, you know, I uh, also want to tell a bit of a story. I um, grew up in Sylvan Lake. So I was born in Calgary, you know, started grade one here, moved up to Fort McMurray for two years. And then we moved to Sylvan Lake. And so I grew up in Sylvan Lake. And uh, at that time, there wasn't like 911 phone services the way that you have it now nowadays. I feel really old saying that, but, you know, rural uh, Alberta is just like that or was like that. So anyway, um, he had to like know the police. The police was like 887-3333. And um, anyway, the ambulance was run, still kind of privately run the way the system was set up at the time. And uh, Knutson Ambulance was was the uh, people who who had it. And at one point in time, um, my my stepmom had this miscarriage, actually an awful miscarriage. And, uh, you know, we were stuck in the house and it was really scary. We didn't know how to talk about anything. It was awful. So, you know, she was finally feeling well enough that we kind of letting us out of the house. And my brother went with a friend, went jet skiing and god damn it if there had to be an accident and it was a really bad accident it was the first time i learned that there's fluid that surrounds your brain that keeps it uh you know intact and safe and that was coming out of my brother's nose so it was pretty bad pretty bad um accident and uh he had to be taken to the red deer hospital so my dad uh went down to the to uh the shoreline where this was happening and uh got in the ambulance with my brother and he was so pissed because he had to give directions to uh, the general hospital at the time. But whatever, that was a whole si- different situation. They had a new driver or sub or something. I don't know what happened. So anyway, my dad uh, went to talk to the Knutsons after and, you know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't great. Let's put it that way. So fast forward to today. You know, 
I always watch whenever there's uh, elections because um, that area surrounding Sylvan Lake, like I remember growing up and how racist and redneck it was and, you know, perfectly acceptable to beat your wife. Like, you know, I think I told the story about when um, Lois had died at the bowling alley and we all know who did it. And just conveniently, they just can solve that, you know, mystery of domestic violence. So anyway, anyway, um, you know, it's just so weird growing up in a place that had like 2000 people at the time, but had like eight Christian churches. Like you had like the Mormons and the Presbyterians and the Catholics and the Jehovah Witnesses and, well, you know, all of these different Catholic or uh, Christian churches and for a, a group, like a very small group of settlers. So anyway... You know, um, I'm, I'm watching the election and who whose name goes in but a guy named Clayton Knutson. And I'm like, hey, I kind of looked at his face and he was around my age, maybe a, a bit younger. So I'm like, hey, that must that guy must be related. So I kind of said hi on Twitter and followed the guy at first. And then, uh, you know, kind of just wanted to watch it. He's on uh, he was on Derek Vildebrandt's team. So I'm watching and uh you know, wondering what's going to happen. And here we go. I see a weird, really weird tweet from somebody else. And it, it was kind of a, you know, hateful one. So I go to check out this tweet. And uh, it turns out that somebody from Edmonton had kind of gone back and forth a bit with him. And it turns out this guy, you know, was <sighs> friends with the sons of Odin, if not already one, we don't know. But either or, he definitely did just didn't seem to believe that there was like hate against Muslims and, you know, tried to deflect when he was kind of called on some of these things. And it turned out that that, you know, whoever this person was from Edmonton had already contacted Derek. Uh, Vildebrandt already kicked him off the team. So this guy, like, I don't know if he's going to keep running as an independent or what, but I know he's not running for the Freedom Party. So that was kind of a crappy thing because, you know, I tried to engage with him. But it was pretty clear he was not interested in constructive dialogue on any of that, which sucks because it's like, you know, I really want to change minds and hearts about racism. But I know some people are just so set in their ways and just so, you know, not willing to learn about, you know, power, privilege, racism. It's tough. I uh, I don't know. I wanted to keep going, but I just don't have time because I'm running. So, so anyway, um today's Sunday. So I uh, went out to a uh, senior's tea and got to meet some folks and who was there, but my NDP competition, we were kind of joking around. We were, uh, people were asking about the other folks and I was saying that the uh, conservative, I think his name is like Pardeep Singh, but I said, I don't know for sure what his first name is, but I know he anglicized it and named it Peter so that it would be more um, votable. So like that same thing happened with Mo Emery, where instead of saying Muhammad, they just changed it to Mo and it worked because more people voted for him. So uh, that's what they did with Peter Singh. So his name is Peter Singh on the ballot, which is fine. I mean, anyone's allowed to put whatever they want. I actually could have put Red Thunder Woman on the ballot if I wanted to. So it's uh, interesting to, um, you know, have that conversations with the returning officer. Oh, returning officer is part of the elections um, structure, the Alberta election structure. So I have to work with a returning officer in order to get my name on the ballot, uh, get papers from her, like my, um, you know, uh, candidacy, 
um, stuff, things like that. I, they give training and, and just to make sure we follow the Alberta elections. So yeah, it's pretty fun, pretty interesting being a part of the process. That's for sure. So anyway, anyway, we were talking at the seniors tea about Peter Singh's name being on there. And, uh, so then Cesar and I started joking around and, um, I'm like, so what's your nickname going to be? And his one, one of his volunteers said, Charlie, and I jokingly said, so does that make me Mickey? So I think if you ever see the hashtag Mickey and Charlie, you'll know what that's all about. And that's just a stupid inside joke that Cesar and I made up. So, yep, I don't know. You got to have some fun out on the campaign trail, right? So he was out uh, promoting the NDP. I was out promoting myself and the Liberals. And uh, yeah, you know, just just a nice guy. So And his people, his volunteers were super great too, so good time out there. Um, then I went door knocking and, uh, <laughs> saw the good, bad and the ugly, but you know, you're not going to win over everybody. That's for sure. I just find it funny because, you know, here I am the only candidate with energy experience talking about, you know, that's kind of an issue. And especially if you care about the economy and pipelines, but a lot of people just don't seem to understand that. So, you know, it is what it is. But I really wanted to share a tweet with you because, you know, this is really part of the reason why I, I want to run to. Um, the, over the last week, there has been nothing but insanity coming out between, you know, the two uh, teams there, you know, and, and I'm running because I want people to vote for something. And, uh, you know, it, they had to lose one of their main star candidates in uh, Calgary Center. They call it Calgary Mountain View. Um, apparently there was this UCP candidate that, you know, had, I don't know, white supremacy views or something like that. And so they had to let her go. And, uh, which to me is not a shock. I mean, conservatives have always, you know, exhibited that and anti everything, all of the isms, they always exhibit, uh, lake of fire, everything. So, their new candidate that went to replace the white supremacist, apparently he came out with a bunch of uh, biblical quotes on uh, women being obedient to their husbands. So, you know, I, I'm not kidding. If you're on Twitter, like you just see people losing it over that. But, you know, like I said, I, I really want people to vote for something. So I, I wanted to comment on it. And uh, I was actually really surprised not too many people really, you know, understood. I don't know if they didn't understand or didn't, um, you know, see the bigger picture, but I'll, I'll just share something that I wanted to share with the world about it. And it was um, seeing all the biblical quoting about um, A.B. Pauly. You know, Alberta is a new Western idea that was founded in 1905. The laws and the land were laid out so only Christian men could own the land. The Indian Act forced First Nations on reserve in 1876 so that non-Indigenous could settle the land. Indian residential schools were set up so First Nations would lose their family, their culture, their language, and identity to justify taking the land. The death of Indigenous and abuses that occurred were well documented by all levels of government. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission compiled those stories, released their report, and a shift in society occurred. I find it troubling how many politicians and wannabe politicians squabble over biblical verses of misogyny when 94 Calls to Action commanded far more about the foundations of Alberta yet to be addressed. And I gave a link to the 94 Calls to Action that are free to everybody 
through the TRC. The Indian Act embedded in our Canadian Constitution created and continues to impose systemic poverty with its design of colonial control or poor governance structure. You know, so watching the UCP say that they would fund pro-energy Indigenous nations for a legal fund continues to divide Indigenous, pitting them against each other. So that, and when the Canadian government, they were the ones who originally imposed the systemic poverty in the first place. So we have candidates with no Indigenous understanding cheerleading this division, which was something I called Leela out on, but she didn't get it. So I don't know if we'll ever be able to really understand each other because I don't think she has any concept of Indigenous issues. And I also see non-Indigenous leaders or cheerleaders pretending to support the industry with no background in it. And I brought that up because I seen this, uh, you know, pro-pipeline um, rally and who were there but you know all these wannabe politicians or politicians who again have no concept of the in industry or indigenous no legal background um, and no industry like industry indigenous legal background no concept of any of those things yet they can be voted in as politicians you know and I just find this so so wrong so I said you know first you need to learn your history and I, I put up a link to one of my favorite books that really explains the foundations of Alberta. And um, this book was written by Sarah Carter, and it's called The Importance of Being Monogamous, Marriage and Nation Building in Western Canada to 1915. And it, I'll just read to you a little bit about the synopsis. Cal, uh, Sarah Carter provides a detailed description of marriage as a diverse social institution in 19th century Western Canada um, to implement and dominate British Canadian values. It took work to impose the monogamous model of marriage of as the region was home to a variety to varied populations of Aboriginal people and newcomers such as the Mormons, each of whom who had their own definition of marriage, including um, polygamy and flexible attitudes towards divorce. The work concludes with an explanation of the negative social consequences for women, particularly Indigenous women, that arose as a result of the imposition of monogamous marriage. And I think that's really critical for folks to really understand MMIW. Uh, but, you know, so much to say. I already referenced the quick links to 94 Calls to Action, but there are actually volumes of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that really should be read. And on top of that, there's a really great book that I think everybody should be reading. And it, it's a hard academic read for me because um, it's painful, but it's called Clearing the Plains and it's Disease, Politics of Starvation and the Loss of Indigenous Life. And it, it's basically the politics in order to you know, create the West. Um, and here's a bit of a review. Clearing the Plains is a tour de force that dismantles and destroys the view that Canada has a special claim to humanity in its treatment of Indigenous people. The author shows how infectious diseases and state-supported starvation combined with creating a creeping, rel relentless catastrophe that persists to this day. The prose is gripping and the analysis inclusive, and the narrative is so chilling that it leaves its reader stunned and disturbed. For days after reading it, I was unable to shake a profound sense of sorrow. This is fearless, evidence-driven history at its finest. So I thought that was a pretty good review. But anyway, 
I really think anyone who's running for Alberta politics should really know this history. So I said, see the pattern of how poor public Canadian and Alberta policy has created trauma and division with Indigenous inclusion. Look at the numerous legal battles over land rights, like Supreme Court of Canada's 1997 uh, Delamuk decision, and anybody who's paying attention to the Wet'suwet'en uh, Unistoten camp, they all know that this is the Supreme Court case that determined Indigenous rights to that land. That you know, everybody's like, build that pipe, build that pipe, showing their ignorance. Anyway, to continue reading my tweet, um, every party is guilty of not understanding these issues. And I ran because I can't believe over these last four years, the conversation has yet to evolve into a bigger picture with bigger solutions. Let me start with consent and pipeline. Um, if you have ever gotten an opportunity to watch this YouTube video. It's two minutes long and it's by the Thames police the in the UK. It's called Consent and Tea and it really like talks about what consent is and how ridiculous it is to force um, anything. And I always, you know, say just like pipelines, you can't force it. So imagine a country where we didn't impose poverty through legislation like the Indian Act on a race of people. Imagine we shared the land and resources, which we don't under the Indian Act. Imagine we worked with hereditary leadership of First Nations instead of just taking them to a Canadian court. It could be done. You know, the solutions have always been there through the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples and with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action and with the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, something Jason Kenney's team actually fought against. And I said, so smarten up before yelling cliches like, uh, build that pipe. Find solutions that respect human rights and the economy. Because ultimately, if you're yelling, build that pipe, you're not. You know, I'm so done with the ignorance of Indigenous people or the Indigenous issues costing taxpayers a loss in economy, a loss in legal battles, ignorance that permeates through all the public institutions willfully, like health, education, justice, all of them. The cost continues with the trauma that's imposed on Indigenous. Every time an RCMP invades an area, that's more trauma on Indigenous people. Canada doesn't have the mental health resources for Indigenous trauma imposed on, or sorry, um, Canada doesn't have the mental health resources for intergenerational trauma that's imposed on Indigenous. Every time the military and the police go after Indigenous, it's not just a waste of tax money on the army of paramilitary, but it, then it becomes lawsuits and investigations, and it's also trauma on the paramilitary as well which we also don't properly fund. So this compounds into, you know, loss of housing and addictions, et cetera, et cetera. So I just wish that those two teams would just stop that divisive rhetoric. Um, investing into Indigenous education for politicians and public servants would save us so much money and headache and trauma. You know, global policies are divesting away from fossil fuels. So if you aren't talking about solutions, you have no right going into office. You know, I voted for geothermal policies at the federal level. I want meaningful uh, reconciliation between Indigenous and Canada. Those solutions are right in front of us. 
thanks to the sacrifices of our ancestors, of the Indigenous through history, telling those truths that are put into those reports. You know, we don't have that many, we have less than like 20 days now. It's not too late to pull back on policies that will hurt us in the long run. Going back to biblical quotes only shows the lack of understanding on the history of the province we want to represent. We need to move forward together. And, you know, for people who don't know, like I'm second generation in the industry. I was a a QI tech for Seismic. I was a drafter of pipelines and wells. When I, I was in geomatics, we owned a geomatic supply company. My dad is a retired union boilermaker. My late father-in-law ran seismic programs. So, you know, I'm not saying these things out of ignorance. My, my husband's in the patch right now. These are things that are happening in my life. And I know, like, I want the best for Alberta. I want the best for my daughter. I want the best for my grandkids. And I know I'm, you know, over capacity stretched with Canadians that are just you know, maybe scratching the surface of trying to form a relationship with like one Indigenous person. And, um, you know, it's really, it's costing us so much money. This is stupid. We just need to move forward. So I'm really hoping people will hear my messages and hear where I'm coming from and understand why I'm running and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because, you know, like it's, it's funny, haha, being at the door and being like, I don't like liberals and Justin Trudeau, blah, blah, blah. But I'm running for provincial politics. So if you're talking about Justin Trudeau to my face, that shows to me you don't know what you're talking about, number one. But number two, like, you know, people are voting conservative. Literally, Jason Kenney is from Ontario. He literally has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to uh, Calgary or let alone Alberta, other than he wanted to be prime minister, but clearly it's not his time. So that's why he's going to be premier of Alberta. And to me, like, I'm not running for power. I really want to see some serious changes. Like when the MMIW report comes out, like we already have a preliminary report that needs implementing. We already have White Goose Flying report that needs implementing. We already have things that need implementing that's not being done. And of course, there's like no framework for public servants to have Indigenous education. In fact, I got a kick out of one reporter trying to say, well, Rachel Notley's done education um, with the public servants. I'm like, no, they don't. They're still asking me to do land acknowledgements for them because they still have no clue how to put them together by themselves. And that's not even close to the structural change that we need. We need change in health, in justice, in education. My daughter came home this week and said to me that she actually had a teacher say that the totem poles with the um, top that has a pterodactyl, that pterodactyl is actually a thunderbird. So somehow we got dinosaurs, Anishinaabe, and West Coast Salish symbology all mixed up into one uh, jello of ignorance. So, you know, if we could really move past this, like this is like 2019 or 2019, and, and my daughter is coming home telling me this. So don't tell me there's been some kind of structural change of Indigenous education in the system because I know there hasn't. And uh, you know what? I was at a South Sudanese conversation yesterday and one of the kids, well, all the kids were telling me they're having awful interactions with the police. Guess what the second highest demographic, blah, blah. Guess what the second highest demographic is in the jail system right now? South Sudanese. 
They're like the smallest immigrant population, but they are being so mistreated and racial or um, by like so much bias and, and racism is used against them in the schools, in the justice system that just like us, just like indigenous people, they're being thrown into the jails. And like I said to the one girl, you know, every indigenous woman I've ever met that's been in the jail has actually her herself been a victim of violence and that they are describing the exact same issue. There was one young girl that was walking to the event yesterday with a Slurpee. The cops stopped her and demanded a receipt to show that she paid for her Slurpee. That is harassment, you know, and that is one of the things we're talking about with uh, the Alberta Liberals is stopping the carding. This is ridiculous. The harassment against people of color is disgusting. And until I see the justice, um, you know, world quit marginalizing people of color. Like we have so much work to do and people need to start understanding there's a bigger picture here. So I'm hoping that you can hear a little bit what I'm saying. And if you agree with what I'm saying, I'd love to hear from you. In fact, I'd love for you to tell others what, where I'm coming from and what I'm doing, because I just don't know if people really are getting it. So, you know, I'll just keep talking until I guess I'm not given a platform to anymore. But um, another thing that's happening this week that I'm super excited about is that I was actually asked to go to the university to talk about women in international relations and politics. So this will be about the experiences of women who have worked in the international relations and politics and how they have seen levels and types of diversity change over time. So this is actually put on by the International Relations Club of the University of Calgary, which I didn't know was a thing. And they teamed up with the uh, university liberals. So I, um, I I definitely shared it. And then I found out on Instagram that Cheryl Shanyong Grey Eyes from the Green Party is also going to be on that. So I know I'm going to see her on, on March 27th between 4 and 6 at the university in SA123, or no, 125. So if you're interested in coming and having that conversation, I know I would love to meet you. And I know, you know, I just want more people who are interested in politics to seriously come out and be a part of it. Because it, you know... It just gives you a platform to say exactly what I'm talking about right now. And I'm, I'm super excited about talking the, on those issues, those topics, and moving forward. Um, I was recently asked to be at that Engineers Without, Border, Engineers Without Borders conversation about um, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and the project of 2020. And I know in the conspiracy world, they're using that as like, you know, agenda 2020, as in, you know, global domination when we lose all of our rights. But it's kind of interesting from my point of view, because it's always been a whitewashed um, thing, the UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals. And if they actually implemented the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People, they would actually achieve all of the goals they claim that they care so desperately about. But, you know, that would have to be Indigenous-led and not white-collar English-led. So you can see the problem there. (laughs) Um, I want to give a shout-out to one of my colleagues that's also running. Um, Wasn't very happy to see him at a pro-pipeline conversation because there's so much, like, racism at those. And here he is, a black man. 
But you know what? Somebody definitely uh, went after his signs and uh, it was white supremacists that went after his signs. And you know, I'm with you there, Gar, but at the end of the day, you got to start seeing and calling out racism because I'm just not seeing it. And that's part of the reason why I have to run against you. Anyway, another thing I shared that a lot of people actually seem to genuinely like was not something I wrote, just something I shared, which is generally my world anyway. But it's that bigger conversation of land acknowledgement. And, you know, for a lot of folks out there, I do a 45-minute conversation of explaining, you know, why we say the land acknowledgement we say here. But for, it's just a tool. It's like leading a horse to water, right? So anyway, the University of Toronto's student newspaper called The Varsity actually put out to properly acknowledge Indigenous territory, go off script. And it's a really great article. But one of my, one of the parts that I actually quoted was just kind of the part that said, you know, the Indigenous community produces a script to be read by non-Indigenous speakers at events, just, and that reveals the labor imbalance. So settlers avoid putting any work into when it becomes learning about the nations that they live on and the treaties that continue to govern the land. And, you know, the privileged spaces give themselves invitations and permission to be on the territories. Indeed, so the U of T say, we are grateful to have the opportunity to work on this land. It overlooks the unethical and non-consensual process through colonization. So I really liked that article. And I think that a lot of people are, you know, starting to understand it. And the reason why I shared it is the whole reason why we do land acknowledgements is that 100% of the land was stolen. And I just don't think Canadians quite grasp that. And if we don't do land acknowledgements, they'll never grasp it, right? So this is starting to kind of break it down, um, why it is that, you know, it can be really problematic depending on who's saying what and what people actually mean by it. But yeah, I hope you get a chance to read it and, and, some, and things like that. And if you are, um, no matter where you are in the world, you're on Indigenous land. So you should be doing a land uh, uh, acknowledgement in some form. So I'd love to hear what yours sounds like if you want to send it to me. So I just wanted to do a quick update just because I am running and it just seems like the time goes by so quick. Um, but with that, I'm going to wrap up here and just say, you know, Indigenous have been talking about issues and sharing our traumas in reports, commissions and public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded. You know, no more. Honor the words honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their platforms and policies. If they don't recognize marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action and recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational, health, and justice levels with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. It should be understood by all parties and or local politicians, community organizations, sports, etc., you know, violence is just my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. 
That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs. And by people who know nothing about Indigenous issues, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, typical microaggressions, people dealing with internalized racism, those who are gatekeepers that survive off the status quo, or people who are so in their trauma, they stop people trying to do the work and deplete all the resources. External and internal racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. That's why I needed this podcast. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they can understand. I also want to talk about cultural safety. I'm a big solutions person. So, you know, I was just at the uh, Elimination to End Racism Day of Action that we kind of had here on uh, City Hall. And this was organized by Calgary's anti-racism group. So Antifa, everybody talks about. They're really great people because I know the two main organizers. And um, I don't know what to say they had a a flyer, a piece of paper that literally talks about cultural safety, putting into action. And I know I've said it so many times and yeah, I don't, I just don't know what to say anymore. You can Google it and find these great resources that just show sitting with somebody who's being harassed is the most, you know, sweetest thing that you can do. It's nonviolent. You can give them your contact after so that that way, you know, that person is safe. Because at the end of the day, silence is dangerous. And only now that we've had like another shooting in New Zealand are people realizing that, you know, some of this stuff is really stupid. That's what I was trying to say to that Clayton Knudsen was that, yeah, you have free speech, but there is a a responsibility to your words. Otherwise, it just is hate speech. I can yell fire, fire, fire in a crowded mall anytime, but that doesn't you know, I have a responsibility if there's a stampede and somebody dies from it. So I wish people understood their, you know, bigger concept of what freedom of speech is. Um, I just want to say, um, if you're experiencing emotional distress, you want to talk, call the First Nations and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through your Austrian family and roots, and stepping up to teaching me to be a a proud Calgarian. It's through you. I'm a second-generation proud Calgarian. I want to say thank you to Darcy for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he's witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, who we are blessed to learn from daily, you honor us, and I'm honored that you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you to... Amanda, Ashley, Beatrice, Diana, Joni, Judy, Kenna, Kimberly, Matt, Nancy, Nathan, Phyllis, Sharon, The Sprawl, Tiffany, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. 
where you can send in your comments or questions. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to end with my beautiful cousin and mine. It's her birthday. When I side eye the Calgary Rabbits, you're lucky I'm not your dish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs>